Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your hosts, Alora and Kitty. And today we are talking about tools, not the kind you accidentally date or that carpenters use, but tools used in witchcraft. We'll be exploring traditional and modern tools, tool substitutions, and tool crafting. So grab your cuppa and settle in for a magical time. Okay, so Kitty, before we get started, what has been at the forefront of your practice recently? Lots of dream work. Ooh, ah. Ooh, ah. Anything? Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to say anything like super epiphany-like? Yes. Lots of wave dreams of which I typically don't like, but they haven't been as foreboding. (laughs) Right. So not as scary. No, not as scary. And they're all coming from the ancestral goddess that I'm working with right now. Which is Kleana? Kleana. Kleana. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Every time you spell it, I'm like, I don't even know how to say that. (laughs) Yeah, no, you know, a lot of the Irish, old Irish words are, they have like an extra D or an H and this and that. And (laughs) Right, exactly. It's like, oh no, we don't pronounce those three letters there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start with talking traditional tools. So, do traditional tools exist in an overall sense? Yeah, yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, and do you think? what we know as traditional tools are mainly from a particular tradition of magic. I think that in, in my opinion, traditional tools, I see them as tools that any or every witch or magical practitioner could use. And they don't come from, I don't think they come from a certain tradition at this point. So what I'm talking about is candles cauldrons, besoms, I see those as traditional tools, but they seem to be wide reaching no matter the actual tradition or path of the witch, we'll say. Right, right. And to expand on that, I think every tradition has their own set of traditional tools, Mm -hmm. but I think in large part, Wicca has influenced what modern witches or particularly what I see online um, consider to be traditional tools. So like an example would be like the athame. Um, But I know- I've never had an athame. Right, neither have I. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I think think one time I used a pocket knife. Um, I use old kitchen knives. (laughs) (laughs) But like I know in other traditions, the tools, you know, the traditional tools are not exactly the same, right? So like- In hoodoo, for example, the Protestant Bible is a traditional tool for root workers where in Wicca, it's non-existent. Right. Pretty much. Um, Yeah. And so I think 
I think overarchingly what Western society has been influenced to be traditional tools are generally what come from Wiccan practice. Um, but it's not like you said, like the cauldron and things like that permeate traditions and cultures, but there's no, I don't think that there's like one size fits all. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because a lot of the tools that you said you see online that you, especially when you're a teenager, when I was a teenager and everything was Wicca, 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 <laughs> that sounds like a DJ, <laughs> Wicca, Wicca, Wicca. Um, yeah, it was the athame and the wand and the pentacle and the bowl of salt and the this and the that. And nowadays it's, you, well, you just get further down on your path, down your path and you just realize that you use what you want to use and what you need and you don't need these tools just because some tradition says it. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. And that even lends itself to another important lesson for anyone out there who is just starting on their path and thinks that they need to have all the things you're right. not going right. to use all the things. So, no. <laughs> no. so I think it's better to like hold off on that kind of stuff until you figure out what kind of niche you may be working um, more yes. than others. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I agree. It's good advice. Thanks. So what about, do you consider tools to be ingredients and vice versa? Yes. Which is also why I had a difficult time with this topic <laughs> because so this is to me, this episode of the podcast is very similar to which is signature ingredients, right? Yeah, because, I agree. Mm -hmm. You know, there are staples in your practice that can be ingredients, but you also consider them tools because you need these tools to operate, <laughs> or at least I do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely think so. What about you? I, I, yeah, I agree. I, and it, it did remind me a lot of the, our other episode on the witch's signature spell ingredients, because a lot of what we were talking about as using as, as tools in that episode were things like herbs or crystals or what have you that wouldn't necessarily be considered tools. <laughs> right. But they are because you use them in a purposeful way in your magic. So. Right. Exactly. And yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about ingredients and tools and all of that stuff, I think it's synonymous with, well, what's in your witch's toolbox. Right. And so all of those things would be in there yeah. for you personally. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to have all the things because as a witch, you find what things fit your niche and what things fit your magic and you leave, you tend to leave the rest out. Right. I agree. Okay. All right. So, go ahead. Go on. You go. I, I was going to say, so as far as the tools that we do see listed as traditional tools, what tools do what? Oh Lord. Okay. So this is a long list. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so we'll start with the wand, right? So wands are typically for focusing energy, whether you're casting a circle or um, trying to focus energy into a spell. Um, this is what wands are traditionally used for, I would say. Agree? Yes, I just always think of Harry Potter and like Expelliarmus. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. I mean, I think Harry Potter made the wand famous, if you ask sure. me. Who doesn't want um, the wand? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also the staff. So staffs are an energetic focus point. Um, and they're also used for walking or, you know, when you're nature hiking or. When you're um, journeying yeah. to Mordor, you must have a staff. <laughs> It's funny that you say that because we just watched, my husband had never seen Lord of the Rings. So we watched it last weekend. He'd never no. seen it. I know. I'm like, you're how, how old? And you have never seen Lord of the Rings? Oh, oh. so good. I was like, well, you got to watch because it's Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about yeah. the cloak? So cloaks, I would say to be camouflaged or unseen both in the physical realm and between worlds right like the cloak of invisibility <laughs> well that's not quite how that works but no i'm just relating everything to fantasy movies now apparently <laughs> oh, the, Ooh, well, your favorite one is coming up next bells the bells uh so bells are used to clear energy and for spirit work um, I know some practitioners who use bells to attract spirits to them. Hmm. Um, but I also know practitioners that use bells to clear energy, you know, negative energy out of a space. Mm -hmm. uh, Book of Shadows. So this is where a witch records her magical experiences. Um, and also in conjunction with that, there's the grimoire, which is where a witch records their magical recipes. I said her in Book of Shadows, but you know, it's there. Um, it's plural. I'm not I use those out. interchangeably, honestly. Yeah, I'm not leaving anybody out. But yeah. anyways. Um, and you know, I don't think that Book of Shadows and Grimoire get as much clout as they deserve, I think, because you know, I, you can probably relate to this, but when you first start, you're so into it, right? Most people are recording their rituals and writing down their recipes and all that stuff. And I know a lot of practitioners who, as they go along, they pay less and less attention to recording stuff. Yeah. But, but we should pay more attention because essentially, you know, if you have kids or um, anything like that, essentially that's like a legacy book, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So those, uh, books I would say is a tool because they are texts, um, and they can be metaphysical, historical, scientific, biographic, sociological, psychological, anthropological, um, but any of those that relate to your practice, um, some, some witches I know have never cracked a book. Some have cracked lots of books. Some go in and out of phases with books. Um, so again, it's not, like I said, 
Um, these aren't all staples for everyone. I'm sorry, hold up. You've known witches that have never cracked a book? Yep. This is sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but the, I mean, I'm not judging I don't know. I think, I'm just saying. No, I think there are some, I think there are some people who just learn experientially much better um, instead of reading texts. Oh so, yeah, for sure. No, I think you got to have a good mixture of both, but I agree. It, it is best to learn through experience, but I just, I just love books so much that it was like hard for me to hear that. It was, I know. Made me you shudder. can't fathom it. Yeah. Okay. Chalices. Um, these are used to take libation and ritual or even for offerings for deity. Um, if you want to get super fancy jars, jars are for spell workings, herb storage, curio storage. Um, if you have, you know, animal parts or whatever, <laughs> um, definitely jars. Yes. Big, <laughs> I know big. you're a jar. Yes. That's probably what I use the, you know, practical things like jars and bowls I use the most. Yeah, me too. Um, we talked a little bit about the athame. So this is most prevalent in Wiccan practice, um, but it's used to cut away negative energy or cut the veil between the worlds, cut cords, things like that. Can I and add something? Yep. So the athame in Wiccan tradition is supposed to be masculine and the chalice is supposed to be feminine. Right. So some of the rituals, they will do a symbolic great right union and they will take the athame and place it into the chalice as like a, essentially a coming together of the male and female parts. Right. <laughs> right. Energies. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. No, you're interrupting <laughs> me whenever you want. Um, cause I know you have some history on this as well. So the besom, which IE is a type of broom. Um, it is, it clears negative energy. You can clean with it. Uh, and I know in Wiccan tradition, they use the, the besom to, um, essentially clear out the circle, um, yeah. when casting it. So, what historical stuff have you found on that? Well, okay. So obviously it can be used in flying rituals. That's where the whole idea of the witch flying comes from. That in, in addition to using flying ointments, which we could get into in another podcast as well. Mm. Um, also, you can use the actual straws from your broom in your spell work for protection. Mm, good one. Clipping off three straws is particularly beneficial for protection workings. I have a and, question. Yes. Okay. So flying rituals. Uh, are you talking sleeping with your broom? <laughs> well, no, because you don't. Okay. You can do flying rituals awake or sleeping, right? You could put the broom underneath your bed, mm. under where you're sleeping. 
Yeah, that's true. I just have never done. You don't have to like straddle a broom. To- <laughs> <laughs> I just have never done any flying rituals in which I was a- a- awake. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's just about getting into that trance, right. Or the otherworldly state of mind in order to right. do so. Okay. Continue. Oh, sorry. So Besom also, or Besom, however you want to say it, you can also, it's supposed to bring abundance and good luck to your household as long as you set it in a corner or by your hearth, wherever, with the bristles facing up, traditionally. Nice. Nice. That's all I have. I, <laughs> I have, I had a Besom once, but it was like a mini one. And I haven't had another one since. I would love to invest in like a really nice one, particularly one with cinnamon, like a cinnamon one. But I haven't done that yet. Yeah. Um, the cinnamon brooms here, actually, they sell them in the stores, the grocery stores <laughs> during like autumn and Christmas season, the scented ones. But the problem is that they're kind of cheaply made and they don't, the scent literally lasts for like a day. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'd like to invest in like a custom made one. Oh yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that they scented the besoms. That's pretty cool. Well, I think, look, I don't know how it works exactly, but I think cinnamon is woven in. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not completely yeah. cinnamon broom, but there's, some of that woven into the, I don't even know what that's called. The broom part. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> the straw part, I think they call it. Yeah, there you go. I got you. That's All cool. All right. So then we have the cauldron. Of course, everybody's familiar with a cauldron. Um, typically, this is used to burn spell ingredients. Um, if you get like, and you know, <laughs> I know people want to buy cauldrons from metaphysical stores, but I'm telling you, you're better off buying like a Dutch oven style thing off Amazon and seasoning it yourself. Yeah, because then it's like multi-purpose, right? So you can cook on the stove with it. You can cook over an open fire with it. You can use Mm -hmm. it on your altar. Um, So, and I know it's actually from Target. It was 30 bucks and it's it's three-legged. It's got a top. It's, you know, round. It's probably, I don't know, like nine to, to uh, maybe 10 to 12 inches, like in diameter or whatever, or, you know, from one right. side to the other. So pretty cheap. And I season it myself and it's much better than anything you buy from the metaphysical stores because most of them aren't even like real cast iron. Right. And another thing I just want to add is if, okay, so if you don't go for cast iron or this is particularly useful if you are in college or university, I would say get yourself a crock pot or a slow cooker um, because it, it, it can take up less space than a Dutch oven for sure. It works in smaller spaces. Um, and I love that it still comes with a lid, right? So you can easily snuff things out. Um, but if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of space, you can get a small crock pot. Just make sure that it's 
um, uh, heat, heat safe, I guess, um, to burn things in. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And you said you had a little bit of historical goodness on cauldrons. Oh, okay. So cauldrons, if you have not, and when I say you, I mean our listeners or whoever, (laughs) if you have not looked up the origins of the cauldron, you should, because it's really interesting. But my favorite piece is the Gundestrup cauldron. This is the cauldron that was found, I want to say, it wasn't in the British Isles. It was in either France or Germany. It's of Celtic origin, and it has the horn god uh, Sarnunos on it. But the interesting, the really interesting thing about it is that if you read more into it, because usually the pictures that you see are just of Sarnunos with he's holding like a snake in one hand and the torque in his other hand. And there's like a boar, I think, on his side. The interesting thing is, is around the other side of the cauldron, there's different animals from other places than Europe, like a lion and all these different animals that didn't exist in Europe at that time. Anyway, so I just find that really interesting. But the cauldron also represents, it also essentially represents the all of the wisdom right so it's it's a symbol of wisdom so Caridwen is the goddess that has her cauldron and it's filled with all of the wisdom in the universe if you want to say that and what is it the story of Talesian he becomes all-knowing or he becomes a wizard because a drop of the fluid from her cauldron hits his finger so the cauldron I don't know. I think it just has many facets to it. I think it's pretty fascinating. And again, it crosses cultures, obviously. Oh yeah. You know, those animals on the other side that weren't, you know, didn't exist in Europe at the time. So there had to be other cultures using the cauldron. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's really just a big bowl. Let's be honest that can, (laughs) that you can put into the fire. Right. Right. Okay. So after that, we've got mortar and pestle. So this is used to grind herbs and mix spell ingredients together, um, crush, crush things into powders. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to add? Uh, Salts, you know, if you're grinding down salt from coarse form to powdered red brick dust, I've used it for that. Yep. I've only made my own once. It was fun, <laughs> but it is a lot of work. <laughs> Cascadia. And that's, that's all I got. That's also another worldwide, I think, tool that's used in almost every culture. Yeah, I think so too. Um, in, in one format or another. It probably started with like a rock and a rock. And then you took the rock and you hit it against the other rock to make things turn into powder, you know, <laughs> like... Oh yeah, definitely. And, um, tools were even made that way. Yeah. Like, um, arrowheads and and things of that nature. Yes. And then you have the pentacle. Um, this is used to represent earth. Um, it can also be used as an altar tile to put, you know, hot things on. Um, do you have anything to add to that? It represents prosperity and 
Yeah. It's, I don't ever use, I don't use a pinnacle in my practice at all. I've just never connected to it. I mean, it's all good. You know, people want to like that they got to use. It's all good. Huh? Well, I like the symbolism of the pinnacle, right? So I like the four elements and then spirit coming together. Like I do like the symbolism of it, Yeah. but I've just never, I, I think I had a pentacle altar tile and it was um, soapstone. I had that years and years ago. And ever since that, once I misplaced that, I haven't had, I haven't had another one. Hmm. Um, incense holder slash burner. So you can get these that hold the stick incense. You can get loose incense burners. You can even get sensors, which I have, I don't, <laughs> I don't like the sensors just because I grew up in Catholic church and you knew when the sensor was coming around, it was Easter and you were going to smell like frankincense for like two days. <laughs> oh, I love frankincense. Um, but incense holder or burner, it's exactly what it says it's for, right? It's for burning incense, whether it's loose or in other formats. Yes. Yeah. But like you got, you, you got the experience to get to love frankincense. Whereas I don't know. In a Catholic church, like during Easter, it's like they smoke box you. <laughs> yeah, I got you. They're so trying to like, they're trying hey. to smoke away the demons. <laughs> oh, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, candles. Oh yeah, and they use bells. But anyways, we won't talk about that. Again. <laughs> People are gonna be like, "Stop with the bell joke." Um, <laughs> candles. So I think candles cross every tradition. Yes. Um, they are for light, <laughs> especially on certain Sabbaths, um, and for use in spell work and deity devotion. And like I said, they cross pretty much every tradition. Um, the diff, I think the differences with traditions is, um, <laughs> probably their most prominent use, right? So each tradition uses them prominently for a different reason, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So one, one tradition might use them heavily for ancestor worship, whereas another tradition will use them heavily for deity devotion or um, things like that. And also, as far as candle magic goes, I think the color wheel of candle magic varies from tradition to tradition. Yeah. I think because my person too, because what I use for things that other people don't. So, right, exactly. Um, crystals, right? So, crystals are used in all kinds of ways in magic, from spell work to medicinal to crystal grids to just keeping them in your bra to <laughs> <laughs> to hopefully help you throughout the day. Um. What do you have to add to this one? Crystals. Yeah. Do you use crystals? <sighs> Somewhat. A little bit. Right. Right. I don't know. Not as heavily as when I first started practicing. You know, I really want to get one of those crystal water bottles because I want to know if it works or not. I have one. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't well good you just saved me like 40 bucks 
You know what? It, I, I, let me, I'm, I've misspoken. Okay. I've used it a few times and I just didn't see any feel any difference, see any difference. And I just forgot about it. And I think I ended up donating it cause I wasn't using it. So. <laughs> well, did you have the kind where it was like a particular stone or did you have the kind where you could switch the stones out? You can switch them. Hmm. But the hmm. problem is you can only put um, very small stones in it because it was glass. And if you put it like a big chunk in there and it, you like shake it too hard, it'll break. <laughs> hmm. Well, that's interesting because I don't know. I'll just be I honest just... with you. I'm not like a huge proponent of crystals. I mean, a right. lot of people love them. They're great. I've used them. I still use them sometimes, but I'm not like, I, I'm not a crystal pusher. <laughs> a crystal pusher jesus you're making it sound like drug dealers <laughs> um. <laughs> okay now we have a new joke to play on and moving forward um okay so oils waters sprays um those kinds of things these are used for aromatherapy but they're also used in spells um so like they're used heavily in specific traditions. Uh, do you I probably, use? I use that a lot. I use all those yeah. a lot. Yeah, me too. But I didn't. I don't relate them to a certain tradition. I just make up my own. I guess. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't mean. I, I guess what I just meant is like in certain traditions, you can yeah. find like particular ones that are oh, from yeah. that tradition yeah like florida water or van van oil stuff like that right exactly yeah i agree uh, and then you've got powders which are used for spell work across various traditions again so that's stuff like um i guess the best examples come from hoodoo at least in my mind which is yeah. um like goofer dust and things like that and then we've got herbs or herbs <laughs> if you're from australia um, which can be used in potions, teas, salves, food, spell work, uh, all across traditions. And they are, you know, they're used for both their magical and medicinal uses. Um, yeah. And they're, you know, depending on your niche, I guess, or your particular path, they could be prominent in your tra tradition. They could be prominent in your practice or not so much. Right. Yep. Just like you're not a crystal pusher. I don't push the crystals. <laughs> uh, of course, your divination tools, right? So this is tarot cards, oracle cards, pendulums, spirit boards, any of that kind of stuff. Runes. Can, runes, yes. <laughs> but in, any of that stuff can be, you know, a tool of your practice. Yes. Uh, crystal balls, that's another one. Um, and then last but not least rattle drum or other musical instruments uh which are used to raise energy clear energy and aid in meditation or switching your uh brain into that trance state okay very thorough introduction to the land of tools alora well and <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you it was a long list that was a lot of talking. Are you tired now? <laughs> yes. 
So what are some tools you use in your practice? Okay. Well, aside from the jars and bowls, I say that I use my Dutch oven a lot, pots and pans, mortar and pestle. I do a lot of stuff in the kitchen, pretty much everything in the kitchen. I make my own magical teas, as I said, oils, powders, sprays, herbal mixtures of different kinds. And I'm also in the garden a lot in the spring and in the summer. So any of my gardening tools like hand trowels, shovels, seeds, soil, compost, that kind of stuff. How about you? I would say candles. <laughs> I'm really big on candle magic and tarot. So I always have plenty of both on hand at any given time. Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to get back into recording in my book of shadows uh, and crafting that a lot more uh, like I used to. Like I think I, I talked about that a little bit earlier because when I first started, I was very into it. And, you know, over the years, it's just, I know it in my brain. So <laughs> I don't think to write it down all the time. Yeah, I got you. I'm the same way. I love using oils, herbs, powders, uh, and I'm a bit of an alchemist there. So I love experimenting and testing different ones out and seeing uh, what I can create. Yeah. And shameless plug, I also really love my Merck, which is a magical emergency relocation kit um, because I'm a wayfaring witch. So basically that is like my go bag <laughs> for witchcraft. Magical emergency what what was it magical emergency relocation kit okay so that means that at any given time it sounds like you're going to transport yourself somewhere <laughs> and that is exactly right like if i because okay so i used to do lots of house calls like cleansings and things like that and so I just became used to having a bag like ready, like yeah. this is my go bag. Um, so it's filled with all kinds of, you know, uh, travel sized or smaller amounts of, you know, my staple ingredients or things, staple tools that I need. Got you. All right. So do you craft any of your tools? And if you do, how? Okay. Well, I've made my own rune cards when I was first learning the runes before I had an actual set of runes. This kind of helped me learn the basics of the runes. I just painted each rune on a card and then on the back, I'd flip it over and write all my notes. And I've also made poppets. I've made witches ladders. I like making different like traditional spell things like that, like poppets, which is ladders. I also do a lot of herbal concoctions, black salt, all that kind of stuff. I've made a few bashes of candles as well, but I'm not a pro at that yet. So that about covers it. Oh, and I make a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> you do. And bread and, and cookies. Bread and, yep. <laughs> not so much bread and cookies anymore because I'm on a diet, but otherwise. Well, I've crafted an ash wand before uh, from a gnarly stick I found on a nature walk, That's which was cool. really cool. Like mm -hmm. I whittled it. <laughs> well, not whittled it, but I stripped the bark and made it super cool. Uh, I also craft candles, but funny enough, I rarely use my own in my craft. Hmm. <laughs> I like giving them away. 
Yeah. You know, I like, I like, I like making them for other people more than myself. I don't know. It's just a thing. It's weird. I got you. Uh, and also I don't make pillar candles anymore. So I much prefer making container candles. So I think that's part of why I don't use them as much, you know, in my practice as I like giving them to other people. Yeah. Uh, of course I also make my own book of shadows, which I think everybody can, you know, when I say I make my own book of shadows, like I literally bought a binder and I keep a very Virgo esque book. of shadows. Oh yeah. I can picture it in my mind's eye right now. <laughs> It is very organized. It has a table of contents. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And it has page protectors because I don't want anything getting on my paper. Well, that's honestly the way to do it. The kind that I have is like really big and it's leather and it's pretty, but it's like not practical in the least. Yeah. And mine is totally unartistic, but super practical. Got you. (laughs) Uh, powders, oils, water sprays, herbal medicines. Yes, I can do all of that. Uh, but I don't always do it because of time constraints. So I kind of split that between making and buying personally. It's because I'm a busy woman. So if I know somebody who's really awesome that specializes in that particular thing, I'll go and support them because I don't have the time. I got you. Uh, one day I would really like to craft my own staff because I think that would be awesome. Like a Gandalf type. I was going to say that you can take with you to destroy to Mor- the one right. ring. To Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> the one ring to rule them all. Okay. Yes. Cool. All right. So what do you consider to be great modern substitutes for traditional tools? Uh... So I don't know. We've already talked about this. The traditional cauldron, Dutch oven, pots and pans. Instead of an open fire or a hearth, you can use your stove or oven. Right. Yeah. And I think mortar and pestle, and I hate to say it, but (laughs) because we live in a modern era, I actually love using a mini food processor, (laughs) like the cup ones. Like, so it's, you know, it's small. So yeah, there are just certain things that a mortar and pestle is better for like mixing spell herbs together. Yeah. But if I'm trying to break down an herb like valerian or burdock root or something like that, I find using a mini food processor is far more efficient for that kind of stuff. I would agree, but okay. The only thing that I would say would be different on the kitchen side is that when you use a mortar and pestle for certain herbs, like fresh herbs, it will slowly release their oils as opposed to if you use a processor and you're just like tap, 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 it's not going to release the oils like it would if you're smashing them. Does that make sense? Yes. And you're also talking to somebody who doesn't grow things. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just saying on the kitchen side, like if you're a big kitchen witch. Right. Just keep yeah. that in mind. So it depends on what you're making, right? Right. Exactly. And also, and y'all are going to laugh, but instead of a Bessem, you can also use a vacuum cleaner. 
<laughs> I know it sounds insane, but hear me out. So as long as what you do with it is with intention, it's the same. And also, you know, Mary Sanderson wrote one in Hocus Pocus. So I feel like I'm justified hundred <laughs> percent. I agree with you. And I, I don't think that that's a silly thing at all. I've actually used the vacuum before to, to suck up floor sweeps that are on the carpet, you know, and you can also use it and visualize sucking up the negative energy. So I fully get it. And I think the funniest uh, substitute in that arena was the time that I saw somebody using a dust buster and I was like, oh my God. That is hilarious. <laughs> that <is> hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and also while we're talking about vacuuming and dust busters and all that stuff, also just for, cause you said that you like to make poppets. Yeah. And do you know that you, instead of like getting like stuffing with herbs, you can actually use your dryer lint. Hmm. Like this is more for if you're making like a healing poppet or anything having to do with like family joy or peace or protection or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, that makes you, sense. I just, you, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Well, you can grab the lint out of your dryer because it's going to have hair and um, lint oh, from everybody's true. clothes. That's a good point. And plus, yeah. and plus it's like stuffing. So I, yeah, I, I read that and I was like, oh my God, that's genius. I was like, that is so cool. It is. But the lint from the dryer kind of grosses me out. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Are you going to be wearing gloves if you do that? <laughs> like give I just, it's a wonderful idea and if the lint in the dryer does not gross you out definitely do that but I might not be <laughs> <laughs> so what about do you have any we're going to move on now by the way okay <laughs> do, you have any, do you have any budget witch ideas or tips for acquiring tools yes so when I first started out, I was not in any position to be buying all kinds of tools or buying all the things. And the tools I did want to buy were more so books. So I hit up a lot of secondhand stores or here they're actually called op shops. But I bought like, for instance, I bought my mini food processor for two bucks at like a Goodwill. Hmm. And I also picked up cool candle holders altar tiles, altar cloths, chalices, offering bowls, all at secondhand stores. Mm -hmm. um, you'll, you just have to make sure that you properly cleanse it and all that good stuff before you use it. But there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. I've also picked up some really cool jars and bottles. <laughs> like I need more of those. <laughs> like I need more of those. <laughs> yeah. But they're always useful, right? You will always find a use for that. Yeah. Or at least I have a whole shelf of jars that says no. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's one of those things where you don't want to not have one on hand. It's true. It's, I've ran out of you know, It's a very terrifying feeling. I know. <laughs> I know. Cause you know, at like a moment's notice, you're going to need a jar. You're going to need a bottle. Like, oh my God. Do I have a pickle jar in the fridge that I could dump out? 
Um, on that same topic, I also yeah. have crafted some of my tools directly from nature. Like I said, I crafted an ash wand. And in my opinion, when you get to do that, it's way better than purchasing them. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually, I actually have a dead branch of a tree that I picked up when my husband and I went on a little romantic getaway uh, last year. And there are seed pods attached to the branches. Mm-hmm. So it's like a branch with about 10, 15 little branches coming off of it. And then there are seed pods. And I really want to turn that into a rattle because I think I can do it. Yeah. And you know, even if you don't want to craft something like that into a tool, like you can always just use things for one time purpose. I actually, you reminded me there's a local plant that we have here that's called button snake root. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when the flowers go to seed and then the pods, um, dry out you can shake it around and the seeds are inside so it sounds just like a rattle and i've used that before just once but it's pretty cool when you can find things like that in nature and you don't even really necessarily have to craft some of these things if you just want to use them one or you know a few times Um, a pine branch too can be used as a besom Mm -hmm. if it's long enough you know and it has enough uh needles on the end good tip yeah, thanks. <laughs> I want to see what, how your rattle turns out, though. So, yes. Well, I had to end up putting it on top of my altar because uh, the kids kept bumping it, and mm. one of the seed pods fell off, and the youngest was devastated because he he thought he ruined it, and I Aww. was like, "No, it's fine." Uh, I also highly recommend recycling or upcycling whenever and whatever you can. So I rarely buy jars because I just keep all of our pasta sauce jars. I clean them. I take the labels off, take the glue off, put them away for later. Another good example is using the laundry detergent dishwasher laundry softener containers for miscellaneous ingredient storage. And I know some people really don't like plastic near their altar and that's fine, but it's just an option if you, you know, are on a strict budget or are on a budget period because the ones that we have here, and I think that some of them are similar over there, but the ones we have here, you can literally, the label to these is cardboard. So you can literally peel, like it's not even really glued on. So it has a tab. And when you pull the tab, the entire label comes off and then it's just a clear plastic container. So I actually use them uh, for some things as well. I don't see why not. (laughs) All right. Do you, you, I'm going to ask this one. Okay. Okay. (laughs) No. Do you have any tools that are essential to your practice that others may find obscure? Yeah, I kind of already talked about it. So it's okay. probably definitely my Merc or my magical emergency relocation kit. Most people don't practice their magic on the road like I do, or look, I know that COVID and everybody's kind of stuck where they are and that kind of thing, but I used to do house calls. So I would like to get into that again eventually um, where I'm at, but 
it's a go bag for your practice. And I'm actually looking into upgrading mine because I, I want to get an actual MD house call bag because it comes with all these small pouches and containers. Mm-hmm. Right. So in like, you know, in a, in a backpack, the elastic like pencil holders, do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like yep. the elastic yep. loops that you stick your pencils in. So it's got a lot of those in it where you can just put like oil bottles or, you know, fill a tiny pouch with herbs, things like that. So yeah, I'd say that that's a big one. And then I also collect brown paper bags for petition writing. <laughs> I don't think so, that's too obscure because I use brown paper bags to write, write spells on. Right. Well, I don't, I mean, I, I guess it's dependent on who you ask. Um, because if for someone who isn't familiar with like Southern folk magic or who do it all, that would probably seem strange. I think for me, it always just felt closer to the natural state of paper. Right. <laughs> the, the natural state of paper. Not bleached, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, seriously. It's yeah, closer sure. to the tree than it is like, you know, when it's bleached out. And that makes sense. I don't know. Hmm. So Christy asks, what are the must-have tools for the different areas of witchcraft, including green, hedge, kitchen, healing, etc.? Okay, stop the podcast. Rewind to the beginning. This would literally take hours to go through. <laughs> but yeah. to answer the question you've written, I'll give what I think are the top of the list for these kinds of witches. So again, your tools are going to vary depending on your niche, right? So Mm -hmm. I would say for green witches, it would probably be herbs and mortar and pestle. Agree, disagree. In in addition, gardening and foraging tools, herbal guides and handbooks for identification and properties. There you go. Hedge witch, I'd say flying ointments, teas, drums, or musical instruments. Uh, Anything. Yep. Anything that gets them in a trance state. Kitchen witch, oven and stove. (laughs) Pots and pans. Yeah. Anything to cook with, really. Salts, herbs. Food. Food. (laughs) And healing, which is, I would probably say meditation would be at the top of the list, uh, as well as their specific diet, because I know a lot of healers who like have themselves on a specific diet, uh, just because they feel more clear or lighter or more able to direct their chi. Mm -hmm. Uh, what else you got? Crystals. We're not crystal pushers. I'm not a crystal pusher. I'm not. Uh, I'm more of an herb pusher. That sounds even worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we should repeat that. That's not. I mean, like basil and rosemary. Did you say basil? Yeah, I'm teasing you. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, girl, it's basil. No, it's basil. Yeah, and I get into all kinds of disagreements about that one, but I'm still going to call it basil till I die. 
Me too. <laughs> All right. So Charnel asks, what's the best way to cleanse and prep tools prior to ritual use? All right. So tools can be cleansed in all different ways and one isn't necessarily better than the other. Each witch has their favorite method of cleansing and is usually most powerful for them. So it all depends on your natural affinities as well. Like for example, if you are well aligned with the element of water, water may be your go-to as a means of cleansing your tools. Or if you're a green witch, you may choose to bury them, to cleanse them. It just really depends on the individual witch, I think. I agree. I think it also depends on what it is that you're cleansing. Like Yeah, instance, the substance. Yeah, well, for instance... Um, I was recently setting up my new altar for Kleana and I went, I was originally going to smoke cleanse it because I usually do that to my altar spaces. And she told me no, that she would prefer water to be used. So instead I used an essential oil diffuser and I cleansed her space with peppermint oil steam, which I've never done that before. And it felt very like, I don't know, I, it felt unnatural to me, but that's what she wanted. And then the next day I read that the Fae don't, appreciate a ton of smoke. So I was like, Oh, <laughs> anyway. Um, Funny how think, that works. Yeah, it is. And I think too, in addition, you can use a sound to clear a space. So bells. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, also high vibrational music, like Celtic flutes. Um, what else? All that kind of thing. Tibetan singing bowls, kind of if you're into that. But also too, like if you're, for example, if you're cleansing crystals, you will know that certain kinds of crystals you can't cleanse in water because they'll break down or dissolve or it'll damage them in some way. So I think that has something to do with it as well. Or, you know, I'm talking about high vibrational music. I'm thinking of cleansing a space. This is a whole podcast about tools, Kitty. So sorry for that. (laughs) However, I did use the diffuser with the oil to actually cleanse the whole, like all the tools on the altar. So that one was on point. (laughs) Yeah. And I think as well, it depends how you cleanse because some witches like you did, they'll cleanse an entire space with all the tools already on the space. Right. And then some people will do it tool by tool or item by item. I've done it that way. This time, I, I'll be honest with you, I probably got a little lazy. <laughs> or, whole space. but it could also be one of those things that, because I'm the same, like, I think, I think when you're first starting on your path, you tend to want to cleanse and, and charge each and everything separately. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the learning process. Yeah. And then once you've done that for so many years, you're like, all right, I'm just going to stick this all on my altar and we're going to cleanse it all at the same time. It's all about efficiency, folks. Right. Agreed. (laughs) Especially, especially if you have a family and kids and a job and you know, you're a busy person, you might Mm -hmm. not have the time. (laughs) No, I don't. I can't hardly find time to anyway, Never mind. (laughs) Well, I mean, and this goes for 
you know, college students as well, because you're busy with classes and exams and visiting family and coming back to school. So, I mean, if you're a busy person, I don't think, you know, I think as long as you've spent time learning how to cleanse and charge your tools item by item at some stage, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, cleansing them all at the same time. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Should we wrap this up? Yeah, I think that we've uh, covered as much as we can cover on tools. <laughs> all right. Fabulous. Okay. So check out our articles on spells, ingredients, and tools on otherworldlyoracle.com. Just select the magic tab. We also welcome you to join our high-vibing Facebook group and visit Alora's website at alorarain.com. We want to give a shout out to all of our oracles for joining us, whether you're new or returning. Subscribe or favorite our podcast to be notified of future episodes. Help us out and share or review our podcast too. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.